0: All right, you ready to get in the Word this morning? Praise the Lord. I'm excited about this Word. We're, this week is, is oftentimes uh, what we call, you know, the Passover week or we have Easter uh, coming up next week, but the Passover week. And I just want to hit on some, some things on Passover today so that we have a greater understanding of what Christ did for us. And so if you'll turn with me to Luke 22, Luke 22, verse 14. I'm just going to pray over this message this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you so much for your Son Jesus Christ that offered Himself upon the cross, offered Himself as a sacrifice. Father, I pray that the revelation of that would would come this morning in in weight, in glory, in our hearts, Father, that we would understand the sacrifice that was made to set us free, to deliver us from bondage. I pray, Father, that you would give us the understanding in our mind, in our heart, in our spirit, Lord, that we would. Uh welcome your presence at a greater level, Father, that we would desire to be closer and closer with you. I thank you, Father, for your sacrifice that you gave us, the the, the seed that you sent on earth, Jesus Christ. We glorify you this morning. We thank you so much for your word and for your, your mighty revelation that comes alive in us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke twenty two fourteen, and we're going to read uh, this morning at the this these last moments Jesus had with his disciples. You know, it's that that uh, Passion Week, that week he's coming into Jerusalem. He knows what's coming. His disciples don't really understand what's going on. They just keep thinking he's going to set himself up as king. And, of course, that's how he enters into Jerusalem. You know, he comes in riding on a donkey, and and the people are yelling and shouting and praising, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And they're, they're excited because they think our king has finally come. He, we're going to set up an establishment. The government is going to be up on his shoulders. We're not going to have to worry anymore. This is the time for Israel. And so they're, they're so excited. They're throwing the palm branches. And, of course, this, that's what today is, Palm Sunday. So they're, they're laying the palm branches out, and they're treating him as king. And so he's entering into Jerusalem, and and through this week, is the the preparatory week or the preparation week for the Passover feast. And this is celebrated every year with the Jewish nation. And so they're getting ready to prepare for the Passover feast. And this is what... The Last Supper, as many people refer to it as the Lord's Supper, and or the Last Supper. And that's what they were doing. It was the Passover feast for them. And Jesus had told them, he told the disciples, go and prepare a room. There's a, a certain uh, guy in the village, and, and you're to tell him that the Lord needs a place to eat the, eat the supper, eat the Passover with his disciples. And so they met there, and that's where we're picking up. And in verse 14, it says, when the hour had come, he sat down in the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this. And divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And then they begin to question among themselves which of them who it was who would do this thing. So we see Jesus here, and it's interesting. You know, I I just really been pondering this, this scripture in verse 15. It says, With fervent desire I have desired With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of this moment and, you know, I think sometimes people think, well, you know, it was the last supper. It's an emotional moment and it's, it's just he's really just wanting uh, to have this moment with his disciples that he's poured into for three years. And, and this is a, a moment he's getting ready to leave and he knows it's his last dinner with them. But it was more than just that. It was more than that. He wasn't saying I have fervently desired, or with much desire, I have desired to eat this dinner with you because he was looking forward to, you know, Peter, you just really make a, a really good lamb chop, you know, and I've just been looking forward to that dinner. I've been looking forward to to lamb chops and, and, and unleavened bread. Man, John, you make a great loaf of bread. He wasn't looking forward to the, the dinner. It wasn't that he said, this is what? The new covenant. The new covenant. He knew what was getting ready to take place. They didn't quite understand. But he's saying, I have fervently desired. you know what that means? With a focus and a passion. With a, if you put it together, a focused passion. Does anybody have passions in here? Certain things they just love to do. Certain things they look forward to doing. Well, Jesus was looking at this supper like this because it was more than just what meets the eye. And so he's like, I have had a focused passion about this dinner, about this last moment, about this Passover meal with you. And they're not quite getting it yet. They're just probably thinking the same thing as everybody else. Okay, he's going to, he's going to, he keeps talking about suffering. We're not quite sure what that entails, but man, he, he, maybe he's going to go through, you know, a little bit of hardship before he takes the throne. I don't know, but they, they're not understanding this shift that's getting ready to occur, but I want to, I want, that's what I want to focus on this morning, because he knew He knew what was getting ready to take place. And he says, this this body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me, and this cup, this new covenant in my blood which is shed for you, this new covenant that's coming to pass, that's what I want to share with you. That's what I want you to partake of. That's what I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Why was he looking forward to that? Because in 1 Corinthians, it talks about Christ being the, our Passover lamb. And he has been sacrificed. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And so he was becoming the very lamb that everybody else had prepared this for this meal, for this moment, this Passover meal. Every year, they've done it for hundreds of years, and and they're in this moment. In fact, a a couple thousand years they've done this through history, this moment of the Passover. And, of course, they remember it and understand it from the the time of being in Egypt in bondage, and that's where we're going to go to this morning. I want you to flip over to Exodus, Exodus 12. Because in order to understand what's going, what's getting ready to take place and to shift or to change, you've got to understand the Passover, when it originated and what was going on there. Passover, or sorry, Passover, I'm, I've got that in my head. Exodus, Exodus 12, Exodus 12. And we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 14. And it says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his mother, or sorry, father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb." And so there, there, this Passover feast originated way back when the children of Israel were in bondage. They were in, in the land of Egypt for 430 years. If you remember when Joseph went to Egypt, sold as a slave, and then... Uh, the Pharaoh set him up as second command, but then years later, after Joseph died and a new Pharaoh had, had taken the place, they had forgotten what Joseph did for them. They had forgotten that Joseph had, had saved their land and, and kept them from the results and the consequences of this, this famine. And so Joseph uh, dies, and they forget, and they, they start looking at the Israelite nation, the Jewish people, and going, you know, we could enslave them. They could work for us. We could get a lot done in this country if they would just uh, work for us. And so they start to enslave them. They have no respect for them. They're they're shepherds. And they looked at shepherds as, as a lower, lesser people. And so they start to enslave them. Next thing you know, they're all in bondage. And then for hundreds of years, they're living in bondage to the Egyptians. And, of course, it's, it's believed that many of the pyramids and things that were built were built on the backs of the Israelites. And so the, what they were doing, the bricks they were making and the things that they were, it was very, very difficult labor. And, of course, that's when Moses comes on the scene. And of course, God raises up a deliverer, Moses. And then when Moses is, you know, he goes through, I don't have time to go through all of all of the story today, but when he gets the commission from God at the burning bush to go set my people free, go back to the land of Egypt and set the people free, I'm calling them out. Now is the time. They've been in bondage long enough. It's been beyond the 400 years. And so Moses goes back and, and confronts Pharaoh. Well, Pharaoh's heart is hardened he says no way we're not doing it I'm not losing my labor and so he makes it harder on the slaves and so God says all these plagues are going to come upon them and Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened but you're going to see my hand in this you're going to see what happens and you're going to see the distinct difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites and so these These nine plagues hit the land time and time again. Pharaoh keeps changing his mind. No, I'm not letting the people go. All right, I'll let them go. And then the plague stops. No, I'm not letting them go. And so this is going back and forth for for many days. Well, now we're on the 10th plague. Now we're on the very final thing. And we have this moment where God says to to them, "If, if you follow my commands and if you do what I say here, then this 10th plague won't come upon your home. What is that 10th plague? It was the killing of the firstborn child. Death coming to the firstborn of every household. Now, I want you to understand, many times when we think about this, we think about, oh, firstborn as in kids. But this wasn't just kids. This was the firstborn. It There could have been 70-year-olds that were the firstborn. It didn't matter. The firstborn, if you were a firstborn child, didn't matter your age, then this would have been upon you. And so, this judgment that's happening, God says, there's a way out if you just follow my instructions. There's a way out. And so, He says, if you take a lamb in verse four, like what I just read, take a lamb. And this lamb, verse 5, shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And so this male that they're they're getting has to be a male. This lamb has to be a male one year old. Why one year old? Because at that point, a lamb or a sheep or a goat is considered to be an adult at one year old. They're no longer uh, a, a Baby sheep, what's it called? <laughs> and a lamb. Yeah. Duh. So it's no longer uh, a baby anymore, it's considered an adult. Well, in the, in, in the Jewish culture, when you turn 30, that's when, if you were in the family apprenticeship or if you were uh, at age 30, you could be a priest. But it wasn't until 30 that you could be a priest. So it's this this adulthood. They had to be an adult. And it had to be a male. And it says that they had to be without blemish, without blemish. Now, it's interesting because if you look at the verse ahead, verse 3, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take a lamb. But in verse 6, now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So they, they're selecting it on the 10th day, but on the, they wait until the 14th day to kill it. Now, this is interesting because on this 10th day, fast forward to Jesus' time, was the day he's entering into Jerusalem. And that's the Palm Sunday when they're, they're throwing down the palm leaves. And they're, they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna means save us, please. Get this picture in your head. They're under the rule of Rome. But they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us, please save us. They're selecting their king. This is why the Pharisees were so enraged. And he was like, they were like, shut your people up. And he said, if they don't cry out, the rocks will. But they were enraged. Why? Because they could see the tables turning on them. And all of a sudden, they're they're not wanting to come under our authority. They're they're selecting themselves a king. They're choosing a king. And so they're, they're putting their trust In Jesus, they're selecting a king. And, of course, on that 10th day, it says, on the 10th day, select a lamb. So they would go out. They would select this lamb. And, of course, in Jerusalem, that's what's going on. They're all going around. They're selecting their lamb for the future Passover feast. I'm jumping back and forth. Are you following me? Okay. They're selecting their lamb for the Passover feast. He's coming into Jerusalem. And they're selecting him as king, as the chosen king for the nation of Israel. Now, they don't slaughter it until the 14th day because during this time period, they're, they're inspecting the lamb because it's got to be without blemish. So they got to make sure that there's a lamb that's perfected. It's not wounded, it doesn't have cuts, it doesn't have scars, it's not deformed, it's not malfunctioning in some way, like it's, it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's a good, pure stock lamb with no blemish on it, no imperfection whatsoever. Well, what were they doing to Jesus? During this time, they were trying to find a way to trip him up. They were trying to find error in him. They were trying to find some way that they can crucify him. They can cause this guy to go away. How can we get rid of this guy? He's causing too much trouble in, in our pharisaical life, in our religious life. He's claiming to be God. Well, we'll take that to court. And so they're bringing things into the courtroom. He says that, that he's the son of God. And he's going to tear down the temple and raise it up again in three days. And so they're trying to bring these things against him. But what did Pilate say? Pilate said, I have found no fault against him. There's no fault in this guy. There's no blemish in him. He's the perfect lamb, spotless. There's nothing wrong with him. There's no sin in him because he is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. And so this 10th this day, they're selecting the Lamb. The 14th day, up to the 14th day, they're examining the Lamb. And, of course, Jesus is going through this trial and this examination time period that they're trying to find fault and they never find fault, and that's why he continued to go to the cross. God allows it to happen. Why? For the redemption of humanity. Now, it's interesting because God says the lamb must be without blemish. He didn't say you must be without blemish. It's the lamb that was under inspection. It's the lamb that's under examination, not you. Praise the Lord. Because they're looking at the lamb And as long as there's no imperfection in the lamb, then the lamb can be sacrificed for our freedom. But if God's looking at us, there's all kinds of imperfections. There's all kinds of blemishes. But God is saying, no, look at the lamb. Don't look at the person. When the people are choosing the lamb don't look at don't put the person under examination the lamb goes under examination <clears throat> So they kill it at twilight verse 7 Then you shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat Then they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted with fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat. So they're taking the blood. They're putting the blood. And in verse, uh, also, I'll just go ahead and read this. In verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts "'with the blood that is in the basin, "'and none of you shall go out of the door of his house "'until morning. "'For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, "'and when he sees the blood on the lintel "'and on the doorpost, "'the Lord will pass over the door "'and not allow the destroyer "'to come into your houses to strike you. "'And you shall observe this thing "'as an ordinance for you and your sons forever.'" And so this, this time of striking the doorpost with the blood of the land, it's protection and it's safety. And he's saying, I'm not gonna allow the destroyer to enter your home. If the destroyer passes by and he sees the blood over the door of your home, then he passes by. That's why it's the Passover. He passes over your home. And so all of Israel does this on this, on this uh night. They're they're gathering together. They're cho- you know, they've chosen their land, they're sacrificing their lamb, and they 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 pour the blood into a basin, they're dipping the hyssop in it, and they're, and they're uh, marking the door frames of their home. And I've read that in ancient times tribes or other nations would sacrifice that the doorway would be the the area of sacrifice and worship of their gods whatever gods that, that that they worshiped they would do that in the doorway they would because it was like you were stepping over the threshold and into your home and so you were under the covering of that god that you sacrificed to and so In this sense, what are we doing? It's the same. We are coming under the covering of God. We're coming under the covering of the blood of the lamb, which is perfect and takes away the sins of the world. So we're stepping into the threshold. And that's why he says don't come out. Because if you come out of that covering, if you come out of that protection of the blood, then you're no longer protected. And you're exposed to the destroyer, you're exposed to the enemy. And that's why we, we preach so much on, on covenant, staying in covenant, making sure that your life is hidden in Christ, staying in Christ, allowing yourself to be rooted in his word, in the house of God, because it's where you learn. Coming to church doesn't make you saved, but it's where you learn of the word of God. It's where you establish yourself, and you become an asset to God's kingdom and a and a a. a Something that comes against the kingdom of hell and destroys the kingdom of hell and brings people into the kingdom of God. Out there on your own, you become very weak. And so he's saying, you stay in the covering, you stay under the blood of the Lamb, and don't leave your home on this night. There's no other way to salvation except through the blood of Jesus Christ. And this blood causes exemption. And you know, this is the only plague that they weren't exempt from. You know, it's it's the one that God said, you have to do this very thing here in order to be exempt. Otherwise, the same thing's going to come up on you. So Israel had to go through that. The children of Israel had to go through that. And then it says, uh, verse 9, do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in the fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. They they roasted the lamb over the fire. Fire uh, often pertains to judgment. And of course, the flesh being burned up. And every sin of the world was put upon the flesh of Jesus Christ, was put upon his body. And it, that that's getting burned with judgment. So, Even in the Old Testament, when they were uh, bringing sacrifices to the temple, they would lay their hand upon the the animal they were going to sacrifice because it was a representation of the transference of the sin that I've committed onto the head of this animal, onto the head of this lamb or this boar, whatever it was. And then that's getting sacrificed on the altar. And so this roasting, this, this fire of judgment comes upon the sin. And, of course, it was all nailed to his body. And it says, uh, eating the unleavened bread with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Unleavened bread. When you talk of unleavened bread, leaven talks about the sin. And of course, if you remember the, the disciples, whenever, whenever Jesus was warning, them, warning to them about the, um, the uh, leaven of the Pharisees, he was talking about the sin. He was talking about the, the sins that they were involved in. Don't get mixed in with that. And he said, a little leaven spoils the whole bunch, right? It, it spreads throughout the whole batch of dough. And so the reason they ate unleavened bread was they left the yeast out of it. They let, they're, they're cleansing their whole house of sin. Why? Because if sin is found in your house and the, and the angel passes over, but there's sin, but there's the blood on the door that you, you come under judgment. And so the blood of Jesus Christ is to cleanse, but you can't hold on to the sin at the same time. And so they cleaned out all the yeast in their homes. They would completely rid. In fact, Jewish uh, people that celebrate Passover today still do this. They, they rid their whole home of yeast, and they get rid of all of it. And they do that for seven days. But his body is holy. It's sinless. His body, is it when they eat unleavened bread, it's a representation of the sinless body that he gave for us. In fact, his body was referred to as the bread of affliction, and it was broken for us. I'm going to read a scripture out of uh, Hebrews 10 real quick. Because his body is also, if you remember, when he was crucified, and the veil was torn. You remember the veil in the in the holy place, in the holy of holies, that separated the holy place from the holy of holies in the temple. It was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. And there was no way a man could do it. God tore the veil that separated God's presence from man. And so it, it says in Hebrews ten. Verse 19, it says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. So when his body was broken for us, when his body was torn for us and beaten for us, it's a representation also of the veil that was torn from top to bottom that allowed the presence of God to be able to dwell, Emmanuel, God with us, to have Christ living on the inside of us. And it says, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Hallelujah. So. His body was torn. His body is a representation of the veil so that the the very presence of God, we can commune and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. Isn't that awesome? Back to Exodus 12. It says in verse 11, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You shall eat it in haste. They had to be ready to go. So they're eating this with sandals on their feet, staff in hand. They're ready to go as soon as it's time to go. Egypt always represents, in the word of God, Egypt always represents the world. And they had to be ready to leave the world. Whenever, whenever Moses said, okay, guys, it's time, let's go, they had to be ready to go. It was like, well, Moses, hold on, wait a second, I got I to gotta pack. I, gotta get, I got I, I to get my pots and my pans. I got to get my stuff ready to go. No, they had to be ready to go, meaning we have to be ready at all times. We don't know when the return of Christ will be. But we have to be ready at all times. And not only that, but remember how, how many times later they, they were like, why didn't you just leave us in Egypt? Why did you bring us out here in the wilderness today? You know, is it because there was no graves in Egypt? And so their mind was back in Egypt, wanting to just go back to the bondage. You know, at least we had, you know, food and water there, not relying upon the miracles of God. And there's people, many times, they, they, their eyes are focused on what they're leaving instead of focused on what God's going to give them, where God's wanting to take them. And they're back here going, yeah, but at least back here I have this measly little whatever. Back here I have the security of this. And they're not, they don't have their shoes on. They don't got their belt on. They don't got their staff in hand. They're not ready to go. still kind of hanging out back here in Egypt but God says we got to be ready we got to have our staff in hand we got to have our shoes on and we got to be ready to march out into our victory that when that when that bell rings when that trumpet sounds we're out of here like I'm not waiting around see it's it's twofold It's about the here and now. I'm leaving this junk behind and moving into my promised land now. And it's also being ready for the the next stage, being ready for the return of Christ, being ready for the the millennial reign. And when Jesus returns to get us, we have to be ready at all times. Our eyes should be set on that promised land. Hallelujah. And then it, it goes on. In verse 12, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. He's executing judgment, it says, on the gods. But it wasn't like all the gods were were fallen over broken the next morning. The firstborns were considered in Egypt like gods. They placed high emphasis on, on the firstborn. And it wasn't just high emphasis, because god, god talks a lot about firstborn. But they treated their firstborns like a god. And all of the other gods, all the plagues that you see, it was a mockery of their gods, because they had various gods. And so it was a mockery and a judgment upon their gods. Now, This is one of the reasons why Israel had to do what they did. Because if you remember, what happened when the children of Israel went into the land of Egypt and Moses was gone for 40 days? They built a calf out of gold. Where'd they get that idea? Because they were doing it in Egypt. Because they had adopted the ways of the world. They had adopted the religions and the mindsets of Egypt. It wasn't like they had lived there for 400 years and then all of a sudden they get out in the wilderness and they're like, you know what, I think the Egyptians had a good idea. I think we need to do this now. No, they were doing it in Egypt. They had, they had adopted those ways. That's why when Moses comes on the scene and he's like, guys, I'm here to help you. I'm here to set you free. It sounded great for a moment, but then as soon as times got hard, they're like, uh, what are you doing here, Moses? Get out of here. And they're not for him. And Moses is fighting this battle for them alone with Aaron. Because they were de- dependent upon the old system. So as soon as they get out there and face hard times and our leaders has gone, what do we do? Let's make one of those gods again. And what they say, it was the calf that led us out of, out of bondage. It was the calf that led us out here into, the, the, into our uh, promised land and into the wilderness out here and, and gave us our freedom. And they're celebrating this golden calf that they had made with their hands. And so that's why execution or judgment upon the gods and they had to take part in that because they had to be freed from that and they had to repent of that. All right, let's skip down to verse 35. It says, Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. They plundered the Egyptians. So they, they, they asked for the, uh, you know, the masters and everybody that they worked under for articles of clothing, for gold, for silver, and there was favor and they gave it to them. They plundered the Egyptians. In fact, in Psalms it says that they came out with gold and silver and there was not one feeble among them. You think about that. There was, there was over 600,000 men. That's besides women and children. So you've got a million people traveling, and not one was feeble, weak, sick. Not one was feeble among them. And a million-plus people? Because it's God's promise and his deliverance. This, this Passover feast was so important. What this represents, because there are so many stories in the Old Testament that point to Christ. It's a type of Christ. And it was pointing ahead to what was to come. So the Egyptians were plundered. And, of course, we know that the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. And so this is part of our inheritance. It's part of our heritage. But we must believe that it's true. I mean, they were going out into a desert with gold and silver. They didn't even really have a place to spend it. God said that, that, that this, their shoes didn't wear out, their, their clothes didn't wear out. I mean, they're not using this gold and silver to, to go shopping. Their clothes are not wearing out. Provision, protection. I just think... Man, God God just like gave them excess to give them excess. You know, and it's that's what God wants to do with us. It's just we can't make a golden calf out of it. Verse forty three. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who was bought for money when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. What is this all about? Because it's a representation that those that are not attached to, those that were not attached to the house of Israel see there's a difference it's, it talks about uh, a foreigner no foreigner shall eat it but a man servant that's bought with money can eat it if they've been circumcised this is about covenant those that come into the covenant in the house of Israel They're to partake of this Passover. They're to eat and partake of the benefit of this Passover. But if they're a foreigner from another land, from another country, and they're not committed to the circumcision and to the covenant of God, then they're not to take this. Why? Because it brings a judgment. Flip over to uh, 1 Corinthians. Because when we take communion, this is why when we take communion, uh, many times I'll say and explain who this is for. It's for the the body of Christ, for those that are saved. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. But I'll say it's for those that are saved. Because if you're taking this outside of salvation and you're not living for the Lord, then you've got sin in your life and you're bringing judgment upon your life. Just like when they, when they were, if they chose to keep leavened bread or if they chose, in fact, the Bible even talks in, in I believe it's a, a Numbers 9, it talks about how if a, if a man chose not to bring a Passover sacrifice during the Passover feast, then this judgment or the his sins he has to bear himself so when we partake of the of the communion of Christ when we partake of his and and take of his blood and take of his flesh and believe and we are Christians and we're circumcising our heart what we're doing is we're partaking of his benefits we're partaking of the the blessings of God that's why in first Corinthians it talks about the cup of blessing because it it talks about if you drink of the cup of demons meaning the sacrifices to demons and the the things that people would sacrifice for demonic activity or for their other gods, then they're partaking of the things of that religion. Well, that's exactly what we're doing when we partake in Christ. When we take communion, when we take, that's what communion is about. It's about fellowship with Christ and partaking of the benefits of Christ. And when we understand All of these things, deliverance, that we're set free, that we're taken out of the land of bondage and into freedom, these are our benefits. And when we get that picture of of what's happening back here in the Passover and and how it originated, then we're realizing, like, you see yourself walking out of bondage and into freedom, that that's where I live, that I live in freedom. I'm, I'm heading into my promised land. I'm not staying in the world of bondage. I'm going into my promises. I'm walking into my promises because this is what Christ purchased for me. So in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, eleven twenty-seven, 27, it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Meaning, some of you have died. Not because you weren't saved, but because you're not examining yourself. And you've got hidden sins that you're keeping and then you're, you're taking communion, and it's a very serious thing. This isn't just a, a ritual. It's not just something we do. There is a power and a, what I call a mystery in it. It's a mystery that God has given. It's a mystery to the world, but we can partake in it with our faith. But if we think it's just this traditional thing and we're partaking of it, and we, eh, it's just yeah, we drink this cup and we eat this bread, and it's really not a big deal, you know, it's just this tradition. It's just tradition, you know, like how we put up a, a Christmas tree. It's just tradition. There's a there's a covenant in it, a covenant in it, and so that's why whenever we do this, we evaluate our heart first. We make sure that we're we're keeping ourselves holy and pure before the Lord. So if someone's not saved, that's why I say this is for the body of Christ. This is for uh, those that uh, have given their heart to Jesus Christ. They are part of the body. Because if you're outside of the body and you're receiving that, it can be very dangerous. But for those that are attaching their faith to it, think about this. It's such a powerful thing because anything in your body that does not line up with the word of God, that has trespassed, that you did not uh, allow or invite in your body also comes under that judgment. You see what I'm saying? So it comes under the judgment of Christ. It comes under the blood of Jesus Christ. And so then that thing has to die That thing has to go because it's coming under the judgment of or the the execution, the judgment of Christ in his blood. So let's flip back. Let's finish up with uh, the same passage again. Luke 22. Luke 22. Verse 15, then he said to them, with fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I have desired this because I know what this means. This Passover, they, they, our nation has celebrated for so long is now coming under a new blood because covenant cannot be made without the shedding of blood. And for those of you that were encounters, Beverly made a uh, a really good point whenever she talks about uh, covenant. And she said, you know, it's not, this wasn't a covenant between God and man. It was covenant between God and man. And the son, therefore, it could not be broken because Jesus is the word. It's a covenant between God the Father and the, his very word, the word of God. Jesus is the word in flesh. And so he himself became the sacrifice. And so this covenant cannot be broken because he is perfect. It's not based upon whether or not man's perfection is completed because none of us are perfect. None of us ha- have lived a perfect life and say, can, 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 can claim to live a life that's sinless. So we would have all broken covenant. Covenant. We would have all destroyed the covenant if it was dependent upon us. But it's dependent upon Jesus Christ and his sinless life and his blood. And so we are what? Partakers of that. So when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord of our life and we're dependent upon him and we're saying Jesus is my elder brother and I am an heir with Christ because he is my elder brother. Think of that. When God the Father or even a natural father, if he has sons and daughters, he leaves the, his inheritance to his children. Well, God leaves an inheritance to his children. We are the, the brothers, the sisters of Christ. Jesus is our elder brother. So when we partake of the covenant, we are partaking of the benefits that Christ sacrificed himself for. So all through this Passion Week, all through this, this moment when Christ is, is giving of himself and he's coming into Jerusalem and they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna, they don't realize that there's much more happening here this week than just someone coming in that we think is going to be a ast- Established as king of this earth because he was being established as king over all the gentiles were getting ready to come into the mix That means you and I have the opportunity to live for Christ and and partake of his greatness, to partake of his deliverance, to partake of his healing. Not one feeble among you to partake of the prosperity and the wealth. Not one of you is lacking. So we partake in the things, the covenant that Christ has redeemed and purchased for us. And he says, I have desired, I have fervently desired, I have looked forward to this moment Not because it was a last dinner, but because there's so much more going on here that you don't know about yet. But this moment, there's a shifting because I'm getting ready to lay my life down as the Passover lamb. And at the very moment that they're sacrificing their own lambs, he's getting ready to to make that switch. And a lamb doesn't need to be sacrificed anymore because he does it once and for all. And it's completed for the rest of time. And that's why he says, when you take of this drink, when you eat of this bread, then do it in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. But he says, you must eat it. In fact, he told everybody that, and he lost a lot of disciples. If you don't eat uh, of my flesh and drink of my blood, and they're like, "Uh," like Pastor Colleen said, sounds a little like he's going into cannibalism now. I think I'm out. And many disciples left him at that point because they didn't understand what he was talking about. And he looks at his disciples and says, are you going to leave too? And they said, no, because we know you're the Christ. We might not get everything you just said, but we're going to trust you on this one, okay? Because they didn't quite understand. But they trusted him. And then they're in this moment. They still don't understand everything because when he goes to the cross, when he goes to lay himself down, to sacrifice himself, they're a little lost and they're scattered. We thought this was the moment too, what's happening, but it wasn't until later, it wasn't until... The Holy Spirit came, and then things began to, to come back to them. When they saw Jesus Christ as risen, when they realized the power that was within him and nothing was holding him down, then things started getting put into, into place, and they started realizing what was happening. Scriptures were coming back to mind. Things that he said to them were coming back to their memory, and they start putting the pieces together. But he says, when you eat of this, why? Because it has to be digested. You can't just say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this this drink and this. I think Pastor Colleen said that last week too. You can't just put the, the bread on your forehead. You can't pour the, the juice over your body and say, well, I've partaken in communion with the, the Holy Spirit. The ingesting means that you have to take it in, take it all in, and digest what he's done for you. And you have to meditate on what he's done for you. You can't just paint it on your forehead. The sacrifice must be digested. Minister Lee, how can you come to the keyboard? the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb. For those that believed it and understood it, they didn't need to sacrifice a lamb from that point on. The years that followed, there is no more. Many of the Jews still did it up until 70 AD while they were still under the Roman rule. And then whenever uh, Rome was attacked and, and Jerusalem was Tore to the ground and everything was gone, the temple was gone, then they quit because they didn't have a temple to sacrifice in anymore. And so they didn't eat of that anymore. They still celebrated Passover, but they didn't sacrifice the animal anymore. But those that understood it at the time that it happened, from that point on, there was no need. There was no need to sacrifice a lamb. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And that's why he says in Hebrews that it was done once and for all. And that's why you depend upon his sacrifice. It's not about how how good you've been, how great uh, you feel that you are, or how many things you've done wrong, or how many things you've done right because it's not based on that it's based upon his righteousness it's based upon his holiness his sin-free life and that's why he was looked at and inspected and through that we come into the kingdom by his blood by his sacrifice and we are partakers with the inheritance of God. Why don't we go ahead and stand up? That's good news this week. And I hope that shed a little bit of light on just understanding I don't know that the, the whole story there just blesses me it really does because I just think of this moment and I just think how precious and how I mean it's like Christ was making this this flip for all eternity and becoming the Passover lamb and I'm thinking in this moment how it's like he was excited even though it's a sorrowful he's getting ready ready to enter into the most sorrowful moments But it's like, I am so looking forward to this moment with you because I have something so great to give you. And you don't understand it yet, but it's, oh, it's just going to bless your socks off when you get it, get the revelation later on. And he says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because, yeah, the cross wasn't a fun experience, but he was looking beyond the cross. He was seeing you. And he was seeing what he was going to give to you. It's like if you've ever gotten something really big to give to somebody, I mean, we can't even, we can't even match that at all. But if we've ever had something like big to give to somebody and you're just excited, you're excited to give it to them, and you know, like, this is, this is going to be such a blessing. This is, this is something they're just going to absolutely love. And it was so much greater than that. That moment was so much greater. It's like we can't even put into words these, the, this moment here. But I want you to think of that for yourself this morning. I have fervently desired this moment. I have fervently desired to be the Passover lamb for you so that you can receive all benefits and the destroyer passes over your home. And that's where you need to stay in your spirit all the time. That's why we say, I plead the blood of Jesus because we're we're applying, I apply the blood of Jesus over my home because it was his blood that causes every enemy to have to pass over your home, pass over your children, pass over your family, pass over your health, pass over your finances, and and the destroyer can't take it. If you are covenanting with God and if you are partaking in him and if you believe by faith that you can receive these things, then they're your inheritance. Go ahead and bow your heads today. Father, we thank you for your son that willingly laid his life down on the cross so that we could be set free. Lord, you've taken us out of the the land of Egypt. And for that, I'm so grateful. Father, I pray this morning here over every person that there is not one desire to live in the land of egypt any longer everything that you purchased i pray that they would have a desire for that there would be an appetite for those things that there would be a faith that rises up on the inside of them to go after the things of the promise to receive by faith what the blood of the lamb has purchased. Father, I pray that this strengthens every listener today, that they will be strong in the Lord, that they will be mighty in power, that they will stand, Father, on your word that when they have done everything else, they stand because they know that your promises are yes and amen.